Well, good morning. What's up, Mo? What's happening? So this morning, we're coming off of a Memorial Day weekend, and I want to take a moment of silence to honor those who paid the ultimate sacrifice in service. John F. Kennedy said, the cost of freedom is always high, but Americans have always paid it. And the one path we shall never choose, and that is the path of surrender or submission. So as we take out our Bibles, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and someone will put one in it. Um, we're going we're gonna to look at uh, Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to set the stage with the Apostle Paul, who never surrendered or submitted. Um, now, before I go any further, I know we have a lot of guests here today, and I just want to say thank you for coming from wherever you came from. I know there was a lot of driving and a hassling of, of me and my family this week to get you here, so thank you for joining us this morning. We love you. Uh, it's awesome that you guys could join us. All right, so as we turn to Philippians chapter 2, we're going to talk about Paul, who never surrendered. In fact, Paul was a prisoner of war. He was battling the evil in this world by sharing the light of Jesus. And because of that, he was put in chains. Now, Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians while he's in prison. And so he is literally a prisoner of war writing uh, this, this letter back to a church that he and Timothy started on their missionary journeys. Now, he's awaiting trial. He's going to go to his death. But he writes this letter to encourage this church as they go on. And in this series so far, we've seen uh, what we called the keys to life. So in the church of, in Philippi was a healthy church. It was a growing church. But Paul didn't want them to just stay there. He wanted them to continue and complete their service. And we're going to see that at the end. So he writes to encourage them, but also to, to really root them on. And we've seen um, the keys to purpose, the keys to living life. Last week we saw the keys to humility. And this week we're going to be talking about the keys to service. So as Paul uh, roots them on in this letter, my section on, on the keys to service is going to be Philippians chapter 2, 19 through 30. We're going to see Paul vouching for Timothy and Epaphroditus as a POW who is sending a soldier back to lead the church in the mission. And so we're going to spend some time getting a little bit of a frame reference, uh, uh, reference to help us set the stage for that. We're going to begin by looking at this uh, as, as Jeff read this morning in verse 25. It says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier. Now, if you look at the words and what, it, what they mean, fellow soldier comes from two words. Well, it, it's, it's in Greek, and my Greek doesn't exist, so bear with me. Sustratiotes. All right? So the first part of that, sus, or soon, being the root word, means with. The second part of the word means soldier. So sus or soon is with, so if, if you're looking up this way, with, <laughs> soldier, right? A fellow soldier. And when it says soldier, and this is important, it's talking about a common soldier. One that would be a camper out is what, what the definition said. So somebody that would be camping among the ranks in the field. So we're going to talk about fellow soldiers today. Who you're with and what's your mission. Because soldiers are defined by their mission. Now, we can be good soldiers, we can be bad soldiers, but we're defined by our mission. And so we're going to look at 
what the mission is today. So as we go on, think about who are you with in life, who do you fellow with, and what is your mission, and where has God called me to serve on mission? That's going to be our question for today. Where has God called me to serve on mission? I'm not going to answer that for you. I'm just going to help you get to that point where you can ask that question sometime later and see what God has to say. <clears throat> so, this morning, um, as I said, I've invited a bunch of uh, friends to be with me, and I want to make sure that I take a moment to honor them. So, if you've served with the military, you're a military veteran, and I know you don't like this, we don't like this, and Nathan, you've got to stand up. If you served in the military, I need you to stand up, please. If you served as a police officer or a firefighter or are serving as a police officer or firefighter, please stand up. Let's take a moment to honor these folks in their service. Thank you, guys and gals. These are my fellow soldiers. And as, as I was sitting here and, and we were singing, I just, I, I couldn't help but remember going back to, um, you know, friends that I've had that I didn't serve with in the military, but we have that bond because we were in the military and we understand what that means. There's friends that I've served with here on the street and, and that have backed me up and have, we've chased people down and, you know, got into some scuffles. And um, so I have fellow soldiers sitting right here today and I just want to, uh, honor them. And so as we talk about this, this life and, and who are, who's backing you up and who your fellow soldiers are with, let's talk about why people sign up for the military or police or fire. They do that because we believe in the mission. We believe in the mission so much that we are willing to die for that mission. We take an oath to defend our constitution. That document gives us the basis for our identities and our freedom and these folks are willing, so those that we just honored, were willing or are willing to die for that mission. Because of their faithfulness, we live in a country that allows us certain freedoms, like the freedom to meet here this morning and to read the Bible and to talk about how Jesus died and rose again to save us from our sins, that God loved us enough to do that while we were still sinners, while I was still a sinner. And they give us the ability to take an oath for this document, the Word of God, which is living and active, giving us the basis for our identity and our freedom. Are we willing to die for this mission? So how do soldiers get started? Uh, the first thing is they go to basic training. Recruiters go out and they look for different characteristics and integrity, and they try to find the most qualified people. Well, lucky for us, Paul, the author of this letter, called himself the chief among sinners. So the background check for being a Christian is, are you a sinner? The answer is always yes, so we all passed. <laughs> and like Paul, I got an A plus on this part. That's funny. Some of you know, that's why they're laughing. <laughs> when you join the military or police, you go through basic training or an academy. It's a controlled environment where you're tested to your physical, mental, and emotional limits and you're broken down. And this part teaches us basic skills and a way to respond under stress so that we understand how we're going to react in those situations. It also teaches us the importance of obedience 
as we go and as we work together as a team. Now, folks, I don't want you to get stuck on this is just about the, the handful of people that stood up because they're service members or police. I want you to understand when we're talking about this, I had to let go of my pride and my life to be able to follow Christ. I had to let go of pieces of my life to go to basic training, to go to the academy, to do these things. Because we have to sacrifice pieces of our lives for what we believe in. So what does that mean? Well, for the young people, I don't know what's going to hold for tomorrow. So we have to sacrifice our wanting to control what's going to happen and say, I trust God's going to get me there. For those that are maybe uh, a little further along and single and not married, we have to trust God that we've we got to be able to give up our singleness at some point if we want to get married or if we want to do the things that God has us to do. You can go on. If you're married without kids, when you become parents, if you're divorced with or without kids, if you're widowed, if you're a Christian or if you're religious, those are things that we have to get up to be, give up to be able to sacrifice and follow Christ. If you're depressed, if you're angry, if you're addicted, adulterous, the list goes on. But if you're prideful, like I was before Jesus and like I still am today, that I still struggle with today, those are things that I have to give up to go to basic training. Those are things that I have to give up to be able to go to an academy because I have to enlist in the way and the truth and the life. Hebrews 12 says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So as we go through basic training, we're tested and we're trained, but it's going to yield fruit. We're going to react in certain ways. We're going to respond under stress in certain ways. And as it says in Hebrews, we're going to have the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So after basic training, you go to field training. Once you go to field training, you start to apply your skills that you learned in basic. You get some more uh, skills and, and some specialty skills that you get to use out in the field. As an officer, we're on the street. We're learning how to do things, but we're with somebody so that we're not messing things up too bad. And we start to learn. Well, church, for us, this should look like discipleship. We're being mentored in life experiences. We're walking through life with people like I have an FTO or a field training officer to help me make sure I don't screw this up. And so as we learn how to do that, then eventually it's our turn to do that for other people and bring them along. The way, the way Paul puts it in Corinthians is, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. I like... Uh, how Colin Powell put it, he said, soldiers watch what their leaders do. You can give them classes and lecture them forever, but it's your own personal example that they will follow. So whatever, whatever the FTO does is what the OIT, so the field training officer and officer in training, whatever the FTO does, that's what the OIT is going to do. That's, he's going to show them how to do this. And so we have to be careful that we're doing the right thing in our field training so that when we go out to the next phase, which is operational, we can prove ourselves in the field. Now here, we're still gonna make mistakes, but we're gonna debrief, we're gonna learn, we're gonna grow, we're gonna study our opponent's tactics and continue to build on our own. We are tested and battle-hardened in the field and on the street. And this is the same for us, church. As we serve, we build a reputation for our service. So when people call upon you for duty, they know what to expect. I'm going to show you a short video here uh, coming up of a fellow soldier of mine named Ramel. 
He's one of the most humble yet courageous warriors that I know. He served in the U.S. Army as a Cav Scout and is currently working for a local police department on the SWAT team. Let's hear what he has to say about service. Now I asked him these questions, so I'm going to make sure you know the questions before he answers because all we have are the answers today. The first question was, how do you know you can trust someone to back you up? Um, no one, when I ask someone to back me up, um, having trust in that person is, is their previous history, working with them in the past, previous events, previous situations, and incidents where I, um, it was extremely violent or it was a uh, high stress, high stress environment. And those people who stepped up over and over again, helped me out when I needed or having someone's back for us. And you know what? That guy kind of, that guy saw something that I didn't see and he, he addressed the problem or situation right then and there. But I mean, having to say something, having to look at him, having to, you know, just having like that, that comfortable, being comfortable around him or just feeling safe knowing that this person is on that kind and so the second question that I asked for Mel was, how, is import how important is it for you to focus on the mission? Well, uh, first and foremost, the mission always comes first. So when, when I think about as far as having a job or, or having something, an assignment, I think of the mission and how, what my role is as far as completing that mission. First day, we, we all get assignments. We all have a job which we have to complete. Um, in those kind of environments, our sergeant or our officers are looking at us to make sure we do the mission or do our tasks. Each individual officer has to step up and complete their tasks. That's all part of the big goal, is having that mission accomplished by doing it safe and properly. Um, experience, time, that's when we start to know that the mission and then the last question that I asked him was, when would you vouch for somebody? When would you vouch for somebody? For me to vouch for someone is, I have to see their, their character, um, how they respond, how they react, interact, like extremely violent situation or fluid scene or fluid uh, investigation when you can you learn a lot about a person when, when you're like in those environments where it's kind of is in that gray area where something things are going on right now it's chaotic uh, a lot of yelling screams going on you can see how that person responds under stress um, also um, seeing your character when when you're dealing with people on a regular basis how do they treat civilians how they treat a criminal once, once that criminal is in custody, how do they treat that person? Uh, and, and in order for me, seeing that on a daily basis, when people aren't looking at them, how do they uh, respond and interact with people? That's something that I'm looking for as far as for me to see the character of a person and how I look out for them. And so, I asked him those things to help set up what we're going to read here in just a minute in Philippians. And, it's, and what we've talked about so far is that when we go through difficult situations, basic training, the academy, field training, and operational, we form bonds with people. 
We see how we're going to react under stress. We see how we're going to react when difficult situations are put before us or dangerous situations are put before us. But one thing before we get in uh, to the letter is that I don't want to miss is when we get out of the academy or when we come off of basic training and we get through field training, we are so excited to go like be let loose on the street, you know, and we want to get out there and we want to deploy and there is nothing we can't accomplish because we've gone through this training and we feel like we're on top of the world. So we don't stay in our precincts or our barracks. We, we just can't wait to get out. But sometimes we forget how excited we were about finally being let loose on the streets. And the same goes for us as brothers in Christ. Sometimes we lose our excitement, but not to worry. God encourages us to get back in the fight. And so now, let's take a look at Philippians uh, chapter 2, and we're going to go through that to see how Paul sets this up. Paul describes in his letter that he's sending Epaphroditus back to Philippi. He is vouching for a fellow soldier who labored with him and then even admonishing Philippi for not completing their service. All right, so we're going to go verse by verse here in uh, chapter 19. It says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. And what we see here is that he wants to send soldiers back because he knows he's in chains. He's a POW. Uh, we, see, we see the same kind of thing. He writes to the Thessalonians. He said, And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that you were destined for this. So he is writing back to these churches, but he's writing back to Philippi to help encourage them to complete their service. And he wants to be cheered on by good news of you. So when you hear of something going good um, back at home, you, you're encouraged so that he could continue to be encouraged in his faith. Verse 20, it says, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. As I said before, the church in Philippi was started by Paul and Timothy on their missionary journeys. And this brought to mind John chapter 10 where it says, He who is a hired hand is not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf come, coming and leaves and the sheep flee, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Now what he's saying about Timothy is that he's not a hired hand. He's saying that he genuinely cares about your welfare. That's why he wants or hopes to send Timothy back to Philippi because he helped start the church. He knows them personally. He's invested. He's with them. And then we continue on in verse 21 where it says, For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So we are to seek the interests of Jesus Christ. That's our key to service. That's our mission. We see Paul giving us our mission that we have to be focused on seeking what God and Christ desires. He said that in chapter 1 in Philippians, where in verse 27 he said, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Again, we see this sustratiotes, this fellow soldier, who am I with and whom I and what's my mission? Verse 22, it says, But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. 
Now last week, for those of you that weren't here, the word served literally means bond servant, right? The lowest form of a servant. And we see this, that Paul is calling Timothy his son, so he's teaching him the father's trade. Well, because Paul was called by Christ into uh, kingdom building, he's teaching Timothy about kingdom building. He's calling him into his trade. And so he serves with him, and he's, and he's vouching for Timothy as a fellow soldier in Christ. Right here he said, he served with me in the gospel. For this is why I wrote, in Corinthians it says, for this is why I wrote that I might test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. He says in Timothy, in a letter to Timothy, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim of life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all, the Lord rescued me. And so we're going to face challenges. We're going to be under fire. You know, the best plans uh, survive until the first round of fire, right? We're going to be attacked. So we should expect that, and then we should, as, as we see God carry us through those things, we can rejoice. And so we're going to go on to verses uh, 23 through 25. I hope, therefore, to send him, Timothy, right, just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. He's hoping that after this trial he can come back to Philippi. I have thought it necessary to send you to Epaphroditus, send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker, fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. Now what's interesting about this, and we'll see this later on in the series, is that Philippi was one of the only churches that supported Paul in his missionary journeys. So they literally sent a gift with Epaphroditus to Paul to help minister to him. So, and we're going to see in some verses later, Epaphroditus literally risks his life to bring this gift from Philippi to Paul. He's sacrificing his life for the mission of the gospel. He's sacrificing to make sure the mission continues. And so, he's going with them. He went to meet Timothy, and he went to meet Paul, and that's why Paul is writing, and he's sending Epaphroditus back so that he, that he can go back and be with them in Philippi. And, and I want to make sure that we understand why he's doing this. Because Paul is, is showing us an example of how God calls us to be in community. Um, Luke chapter 10 says, After the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, in every town and place where he himself was about to go. So, first of all, God calls us, calls us to be in community because He created us for relationship. God is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's in relationship constantly, all the time. So, when He created us in His image, we were created for relationship because we were created in His image. So we're created in a relationship with God, love God, and we're created in a relationship for people, to love people. Those are the two greatest commandments. Love God, love people. We're created for relationship. One of the things that we've seen and I've seen and recognized is that the American ideology of being independent and doing it yourself and pulling yourself up by the bootstraps and having to do everything all by yourself makes it all about me. And what, what, he's, saying, what he's saying to us here as we talk about who we're with and what's our mission is that we're not by ourselves. Jesus sent out the disciples two by two they weren't alone. They had a partner. They were backed up. In my, in, for my PD friends, it's my, it's my 907, right? <laughs> Let me get a slow roll. 
I need somebody to come help me out. He sends us out two by two so we're not led astray and so that we can't take credit for any of it. But the idea of toiling with someone in work, with someone as a soldier toiling for Christ, is how God intended it. That's why I think that we see there's a strong bond with military, there's a strong bond with police and fire and those kind of service-oriented places because they have to go through things together. They have to help each other out, whether they like each other or not. You better show up. <laughs> I'm in a fight. I need you to show up. It doesn't matter if we're hanging out this weekend. Get your butt there. <laughs> but we see this bond because they're not worried about their own personal self. They're not worried about how they look in uniform. They're worried about making sure the mission happens and taking care of their brother. And we can do better at that as a church. In 1 Peter 2, it says, Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Love the brotherhood. We're called to love each other. It's not just about Cornerstone or uh, this person or that person or this church or that church. We love the brotherhood. If they believe in the Bible and they believe in Jesus, we love them and we got to help them out because there's no such thing as a lone ranger Christian. We're called to work together so we can back each other up. So see what squad God has called you to be on and get on the mission. Let's get back to the letter. Verse 26. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. He would, he would have been really sad had he lost his brother. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. He wants to send him, he wants to help comfort them, but he wants them to know that he did risk his life as he brought that gift to Paul. Verse 29 says, So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. I want to take a minute to talk about this because I learned a lot last week from Don in this, uh, in this idea of honoring such men. So in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So church, this morning when we honored my, my fellow brothers and sisters in, at arms, um, we weren't honoring them because we're putting them on a pedestal and worshiping them. No, we're honoring them because of what God called them to do, and we appreciate that, and we can see the grace that God has given us because of what they've done. And we can see that the glory goes to God. And so what, what we're seeing here when he says, honor such men, it's okay to honor such men. As long as we understand, it's not because we're honoring them specifically, but we're honoring what God did through them in their service and their sacrifice. So that, uh, I appreciate your, your teaching last week on that, Don. It really helped me out. I stole some of your stuff. Anyway, verse, uh, last verse in uh, this section, verse 30. It says, For he nearly died, talking back about Epaphroditus, for the work of Christ, risking his life, to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Man, you just want like this encouraging, feel-good story, and Paul leaves us hanging with an admonishment that we're still lacking service, right? And so what does that mean? What does it mean? What are we lacking? Why does he leave us hanging like that? Because we were really hoping for like the feel-good message of the day, right? He tells us because we need to look at what the mission is. Acts 20 
Verse 24 says, But I do not account my life of any value, nor is precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. We're lacking in service because we have to be on mission. If we're still here, we still have a mission to complete. So Philippi, that church, still had a mission to complete. And he's saying, I encourage you, but I want you to finish your mission. In Matthew 28, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I know everybody's looking at the screen, but we just saw Jesus, His own words, give us who you're with, God. Behold, I am with you. Go, make disciples, mission, fellow soldiers. Who are we with? What is our mission? We are seeing God tell us through His Son, Jesus. So what does that mean for us practically? How do we execute the mission? Um, I skipped over it, but let's, if we can back up one, sorry guys in the back. I want to show you a picture of, of the two by two as he sent us out. This is my brother from another mother, Jesse, right there. And uh, God's called us to go to Mexico. So we go to a couple times a year. We go support Camillo, uh, who helps support us in the community. We help build houses for people. But really, it's just an opportunity for us to go where God's called us to be witnesses. So I'm here to testify that God is working in Mexico, in Rocky Point, through that mission and through that pastor who's standing in the middle of those two knuckleheads. And of course, there's a photobomb dude in the back, also a cop. <laughs> we should have known, right? <laughs> All right, let's go to the next one. And so he sends us out two by two so that we can engage in the call. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But we can see when the mission is accomplished, you can see what it takes. It takes the whole community. And you see a bunch of yellow shirts, and what, what it's probably hard for you to see uh, up close and personal is that all the faces of the community that were there to be a part of this. And so we have to be in that community so we can engage in the call. On the back of your bulletins or a little piece of paper, there's uh, an engaging in the call section. If you want to take a look at that, you can. But have you ever thought about why Paul uses the language of a good soldier? Do you think soldiers accept the call of service and risk their lives to hide in the barracks. We have to view church as an advanced post where we come, regroup, get healed, get more ammo, and get back out in the fight. This is not a fortress for us to hide in. We are on offense, so let's go and engage in mission. And that doesn't mean you gotta go to Mexico. That doesn't mean you gotta go to any specific place, but you gotta understand that God has called you somewhere else besides these walls. He is calling you for that peace. Who are you with and what is our mission? In that uh, engaging in the call, it says, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. I've been enlisted by God. So let's get out of the barracks or our precinct and go tell the world how Jesus saved our lives and how he changed us. Write out your story. Practice it with your spouse, your sibling, your friend, whatever. Get it down to two minutes so that you're ready in every situation. And if you haven't uh, accepted Christ, ask one of us about what that means. If you don't know what it means to be saved, or you think you know what it means to be saved, but you're not sure, ask us what it means. Because the way to do that is we have to enlist. We have to accept that Jesus died for us on the cross and rose again. Romans 10 tells us that, right? That we're all sinners, we all fall short of the glory. While we were still sinners, He died for us. 
The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of life is eternal li or the free gift from Christ is eternal life. And the only way to do that is to what? Confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, believe in our hearts that he was raised from the dead, and we will be saved. And to help us understand a picture of that, I wanted to bring up the three crosses. Folks, this is my story. I thought I was a hero. I thought I was doing well because I signed up to serve my country. I took an oath and I faithfully executed my duties. But through a series of events, God brought me to a place where I saw a movie called The Passion of the Christ. And I saw a picture of what Jesus did for me on the cross. And I saw that cross, and I realized it was that specific moment that I realized I wasn't the hero. I wasn't the one in the middle. I was the one on the side. There were two thieves that died next to Jesus, and I was one of them. I was one of them. And so, <clears throat> I can't tell you how freeing it is to know what salvation looks like, what a real hero looks like by, the, by what Jesus did on that cross in the middle. And the only difference between the, the two crosses on either side is where we put our hope. One thief was mocking Jesus. The other one said, stop mocking Jesus. He hasn't done anything wrong. And remember me in paradise. He didn't have any chance to do anything religious. He didn't have any chance to come down and do one single act of religiousness. What did Jesus tell him? Surely today you will be with me in paradise. He confessed with his mouth, believed in his heart, and Jesus saved him. That is the Savior of the world. That is the one who saved me from my sins. That is the only thing, people, that we have to do to know God. Now, if you're not the thief on the cross, which I wasn't, and you get the steps to come back down the next day, and you're like, wow, I'm still here, guess what, Philippi? We still have a mission. We still have something to complete. Chad Ryan's still here today, so I still have something to complete. Jeff Dawkins is here. Obviously, he still has something to complete. Richard Rice is here. He still has something to complete. So if we have the opportunity to come down off that cross, we still have something to complete. So my encouragement this morning, like Paul, to the church is this. Let's emulate these soldiers that we honored earlier in their sacrifice and discipline and focus on mission. May God guide, lead, and protect you in your service as you attack the gates of hell. We're on offense, not defense. Who is with you? And where has God called you to serve on mission? I want to take a moment to thank my fellow soldiers in arms. May God guide, lead, and protect you in your service. May you recognize why God created you and how his justice is what drives you to attack our common enemy. Who is with you and where has God called you to serve on mission? I want to thank you specifically for protecting my, our freedoms. I my family, my friends, our church. We are very grateful to the things that you have done and the things that you have sacrificed to allow us to be here this morning to be able to hear about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So thank you. Kennedy said the true cost of freedom is always high, but the true cost of freedom 
was Christ dying on a cross and rising again to set us free from sin and death. And the path we shall never choose and the path of surrender or submission is the path of slavery to sin and death. It says in Galatians, For freedom he has set us free, never to return to a yoke of slavery and sin again. Christ, ladies and gentlemen, is the example my fellow Christians and my fellow Americans follow when we serve. Let's pray. God, we just want to thank you. Thank you for letting us know you before we depart. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to come down off of that cross and to complete the mission you have here for us. Thank you for my backup, for my brothers and sisters in arms and what they've done. Thank you for the ones in this room who have specifically helped me on the street, in a fight, for my life. God, may we as a church see that this is a fight for our lives, for the lives of the people who don't get to know you. And may we see that we are called to go and spread that good news that you have given to us. And God, I pray for protection specifically for my brothers and sisters in arms. I pray for protection specifically for my fellow soldiers in Christ. God, we love you. We praise you. You are the reason we are here. You are our king, our commanding officer, the Lord of lords. We pray that you would set us out, let us be free, and engage in the mission so that people may know your name. And God, it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.